everybody. Welcome to the Resilient Christian Podcast. I'm Aaron, your host. Glad to have you with us today. This is a podcast where we clear the clutter, the noise, and the half-truths for deeper, stronger, more resilient disciples of Jesus. Did you know that there's a right way and a wrong way to doubt? Did you know that? There's a right way and a wrong way to doubt your doubts, face your fears, ask your spiritual questions. There's a right way and a wrong way. And today we're going to do a deep dive into scripture. And also we're going to hear from my friend, John, who came to Christ at the Alpha Course two years ago, and how he is a resilient Christian and how he has worked through doubt in his own life. It's going to be great. The Lord's given me a gift of evangelism, and I've been so blessed and honored by what he has allowed me to experience in my life. But I have a deep discontentment of seeing Christians have a real, genuine experience of Jesus, put their faith in Jesus, and then years later, when they hit a pivot point or a trial or something in their life, they become a watered-down Christian or a backslidden Christian, as we might say back in the old days, or but a Christianity that's kind of mediocre. And we want to, you know, call us out and say we want to have more resilient Christians so that when they hit the pivot point, the difficult point, doubts and questions which will come, trials and difficulties, that they aren't falling back, but leaning into experiencing Jesus more, keeping their eyes on Jesus and knowing him and doing what Jesus did. And that's for the sake of the world and for God's glory. We want to see that happen. And so thanks for joining us today. Glad to have you with us. Hope you enjoyed John. He's a great guy. He'll be on the show more often. Thanks for listening. Um, So John, would you just like help our audience um, understand a little bit of your own spiritual journey, your history of Mm -hmm. how you came to faith? Um, It hasn't been the normal, the normal, easy journey, the normal route. I think people will really enjoy hearing a little bit about your faith story. Yeah. You know, I love this, this um, topic that that you picked of of, uh, the right kind of doubt. I would say I'm a pastor's kid, but I never uh, believed in Christ uh, until I was 23. Um, I basically doubted everything, but that was said about Christ and that I mean, I never tried to have a relationship with him. And I remember as a pastor's kid, I, I never really sought Jesus. I never really, you know, uh, thought about my doubts and tried to, to answer them. Instead, I was just kind of a skeptic who was just like, I don't know. I, I just, I just can't buy into it. You know, my dad believes that that's good for him, but it's not for me. So that's how I felt for a really long time. I, I, in high school, I was the basic high school kind of jock, you know, I, I would, you know, play beer pong on the weekends and, and, you know, uh, <laughs> talk it. to, talk to, you know, try to talk to as many girls as I could, you know, most of them weren't interested. And, and that was, you know, high school and then college was more of the same thing. I went to, you know, a party school. I went to UC Santa Barbara. Um, Come on, Gauchos. Where are you at, Gauchos? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, um, you know, and that was more of the same in high school. It was a lot of partying, a lot of, you know, a lot of chasing after the things of this world. And, and it left me feeling really hopeless. You know, it, it, from the outside, I had a good, I had a good job. Um, I was going to a great school. I had a, a beautiful girlfriend and I was just so depressed. And so it just left me feeling like this isn't it. And I remember... Uh, after graduating from college, I, I moved back from Santa Barbara to Orange County and I attended uh, Alpha Course. And the cool thing about Alpha Course is that uh, the logo is a big question mark, you know. And the whole idea behind Alpha Course is for people who don't believe in Christ to, to come to this thing set up by the church and to just bring their doubts and ask their questions and, and really experience 
explore Christianity. What is Christianity about? Uh, what's holding me back from believing in Jesus? And we have these uh, small group meetings every Tuesday night. And uh, I would go to those and I would just hammer the pastors at Rock Harbor Church in Costa Mesa. I would just hammer all the pastors about uh, all these doubts and all these questions I had. And, and what happened is that progressively, I mean, it took, it took, I'm, I'm really stubborn. So it took me probably six months of doing this. And then eventually I, I had an experience where I, I felt the Holy spirit. I had really explored all my doubts and I came to a, a, a belief in Jesus. And, and now it's been, you know, uh, it's been a little over two years and now I'm in seminary and, and we're doing ministry together and all this stuff. So, you know, that's, that's been the journey for me, uh, just life changing coming to know Jesus. Um, and, and I think, uh, one thing I really like about this topic is that I think we should continue to explore our doubts and, mm-hmm. and exploring your doubts will actually, uh, strengthen your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I didn't do enough when I was younger um, and one of the biggest regrets of mine is, is I wish I became a Christian sooner than 23. You know, there's a lot of stuff I did before 23 that was a waste of time. It wasn't good for me. And so I just wish that I, I explored my doubts. I, I really tried to find a place like Alpha when I was younger to talk to people and, and, and figure out, okay, do I really think Jesus is possible? Do I really think he can be God? Like, is this real? And, and to do that. And I think, um, you know, for people in ministry, that's one thing that's really important to me is, is creating a place where someone that's not a Christian could come in and say, you know, this is what I think, you know, hmm. uh, tell me, tell me, uh, if I'm wrong or right about whatever this doubt I have it. So what, I mean, John, thank you for sharing. And your journey has been so good. Um, you said so much. I mean, you came from a pastor's family, pastor's kid, uh, Orange County kind of had the whole party life. Um, and then went to Santa Barbara. I'm from Santa Barbara, go gauchos. And Mm -hmm. I, I know, I know the Santa Barbara life. I know what that's like. What were some of the questions and doubts that were at the core of your heart? The number one is for me was, is there a God? Right. I mean, like, is, is that even, is that even possible? You know? Um, and if there is a God, uh, which one is it according to all these religions, right? Like what makes the Christian God, uh, you know, uh, more true than, than the Muslim God or the Jewish God or the variety of gods that the Hindus have all that stuff. Right. So, those are major questions for me. Um, another question was, if there is a God, why does he care about me? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Why does this God love me? Who am I? I'm one out of, you know, 8 billion people on this earth. I, I mean, so, you know, what's going on there? Can there really be a God that, that cares about me mm. who I can know personally? Right. And, and in Christianity that you also have, you know, this idea of the Holy spirit, there's a spirit active in this world. I'm, I didn't believe in any type of spiritual realm. I didn't believe in ghosts or the supernatural or anything like that. So um, for me being really like what I would thought of, I I thought that I was scientific, right? Like what you can see is what you get. Mm. So is there really a spiritual world? Those were some major questions for me. I I think, um, and there's so many, it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? You know, there's, there's so many questions, but those are some big ones. What helped you, bridge the gap that was missing to 
to be able to have faith in Jesus and welcome Jesus into your life and believe in Christ? What, what was it that got you to the place of faith? I think one of the most major things was the, the people at Rock Harbor Church were like just relentless. You know what I mean? Like there were mm. so many pastors and people there that just, so good. Uh, I, you know, I was depressed and stuff and they were so loving and they cared so much about me. And, and, you know, they asked me how my week was going. They remembered things that I told them. So like community was a huge draw. Like, what is it about all these people? Why are they all so nice? Relationship. You know? Yeah. Relationship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, why do they care so much about me? You know, that was, that was strange. But I think in a lot of ways, they were portraying what God was like, you know? So that community aspect was huge. I think another thing was, is that I had to stop thinking I knew everything. Like, I, you know, I, I think a huge thing for me was, I think I got humbled. Like, I thought I knew what life was about. You know, life is about, you know, uh, money, sex, and drugs, right? Like, like, that's it. That's all that you need. It's all about pleasure. And I was wrong, you know? And I needed to be humbled and, and to... Uh, to, to see all those things that kind of fail. Once that happened, um, it left me in a place where I could explore. And, and ultimately, it's the grace of God that I'm saved. I, mm. I have had multiple experiences that I can't contribute to anything except for God. I've had, you know, I've had God speak to me. I've had uh, overwhelming emotions yeah. uh, just take mm. over me. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had the sensation of being held, you know, even though nobody's holding me, um, all these experiential things that I can look back on and say, uh, I mean, that point to, uh, God being real. You know, you bring up a good point. A couple of things I want to just point out is you come to God with all of these, maybe intellectual, uh, defenses, doubts, like, is he real? Which one is he? Is he, is he Buddha? Is he Jesus? Is, you know, wh which one is he? And then why does he love me? You come, you come to the table with all these kind of intellectual barriers. Right. And then, right. and then it ends up being, ends up being more than just the intellect. It ends up being relational. It ends up being yep. uh, emotional. It ends up being like, you know, communal. And, and it goes back to, you know, some of what a guy named Dan Kimball used to say in a book, uh, you know, 20 years ago that people need to belong before they believe. And it's like, they need, mm -hmm. they need to feel held and see the love of God kind of incarnationally before they'll say, you know, I, I think Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. So that's always interesting mm -hmm. to me. Right. And because, and I love, that's what the whole point of the show is, is for us to talk about what does it mean to be simply Christian? What are some of the obstacles to being simply Christian? And I think one of the things we have to come to come to is it's not just purely intellectual. Um, and it's not just something that is based on our reason alone. I think, uh, there's this thing called, I think, have you heard of it yet in, 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 in a Talbot of the Wesleyan quadrilateral? Have you talked about that yet? No, I haven't. I haven't learned that one yet. It's, it's this kind of way of looking at how we are formed and in the foundations of truth in our life. And the, and the, you know, it's like a, it's a quadrilateral four squares. The first square is scripture. The second square is tradition. The third square is reason. And the fourth square is experience. I could be getting those mixed up a little bit, but I know scripture is a foundational one. And then reason, tradition, and experience. And tradition by the traditions of the church, what the church has taught in the past, you know, those kind of doctrines, the creeds, all of that. But your, you had experiences 
And you also, and, it, and so your reason, the reasoning part of you, it wasn't just like someone like gave you apologetics the whole time and then you were convinced and then you, you believed there was, re, there was experience, there is emotion, there is relationship. Um, right. And kind of in, in weaved in between that was these environments of talking about God, reading the Bible, trying to figure it out for yourself. So it's such a wonderful reminder that it's not just simply about like giving straight up answers to people. It's, it's actually more, more personal than that. That's what I hear anyway. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. It's like that, you know, uh, I once was blind, but now I see, I, I think that's what they're getting at. It's like um, your eyes need to be opened by the spirit before you can even begin to understand the truth of, uh, of, of Jesus really. Right. Like you need to have that experience. Um, um, it's, it's quite incredible, but you're right. It, it's not like, Oh, just answer these questions and, you're good. and then, uh, Christianity proved. Yeah. Know? Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not that, well, man, it's a combination I, of everything, like as you put, like it's that scripture tradition, um, it's that experience, you know what I mean? It's, it's, um, what was the fourth one? I'm missing the fourth one. Uh, scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. So like your intellect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So like you're, you're, yeah. Like kind of the intellectual side of, of, of being a person. Um, Hey, I want to, I want to move us kind of towards Matthew 11, which we wanted to talk about a little bit today. Um, because you know, you're, you, and by the way, to our audience, John's going to join us regularly, which is why he's the first one, um, being interviewed because I want you to know his story and he's an amazing guy and you're going to have more time to get to know John. Right, John? That's right. <laughs> God willing. God willing. Yeah, if, Lord if willing. I can come back if I don't mess this up too bad. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, and, and you, and just so everyone knows, John is a ministry friend partner. Uh, I am in the, in the process of planting a new church campus for friends church in Eastvale, Corona area. And John is at the, the very forefront of that with me. So we're, we're partners in ministry in this. So, um, so let's grab your Bibles. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. And this is a passage that it speaks to kind of how to doubt correctly. And, and there's actually different ways to doubt. And I don't think I knew that until I looked at this passage. And so um, it's pretty cool. So in, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, You've probably read this before, John, in, in, in your studies, but Jesus is doing ministry and John comes to Jesus and he's like, Hey, are you, are you the guy, you know, are you the Messiah? Right. Um, mm -hmm. so it's like verse, verse three, are you the one that is to come or should we expect someone else? And he's, he's, he's doubting. He's got questions. He's a little bit confused about whether or not Jesus was really the Messiah, the savior of the world that they were expecting. Um, so, and it's interesting, right? So, I mean, you can imagine what John's feeling. He's been preaching. He's now in jail. This is before he's beheaded. And he's like, dude, is this thing going to go down? And he's right. expecting um, Jesus to not just establish a spiritual kingdom, but a physical one, one that has a government, an army to overthrow Caesar, to establish Israel as the, the power that it once was under King David. And so he's, he's, he's wondering who Jesus, Jesus is. Hmm. In verse uh, four, Jesus goes and he tells John's disciples, go back and tell John, here's the description of, of what's happening. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed. So like, that's a pretty good list, right? <laughs> that's not, a, yeah. that's not a bad list of things that that's happening around Jesus. Uh, 
they're all supernatural things, but what, what it doesn't include is, uh, government things or mm. like an army, like, Hey, an army has been raised, you know, like we have people waiting to fight for us. Like there's no mention of that. And he just mentions all these amazing things. People are healed. Gospels proclaimed, go back and tell them. And then, uh, in verse seven through, uh, like 12 or so, Jesus really affirms John and, mm-hmm. And I just want to want to pause here and look at this in light of your story, but also in light of this topic. Uh, Jesus doesn't shame John's doubts. He doesn't shame his doubts or his questions. In fact, he kind of embraces John even more. He says, "John, there's no one being greater than John. Uh, John is great. He's an awesome guy. He doesn't shame John in this vulnerable moment of trying to figure out, hey, are you the guy? You know? And I think there's yeah. a lot of comfort we can take in, in that. Um, like God welcomes our questions. He welcomes our doubts. And, uh, I've certainly seen that before in, in your life and my life, um, and other people's lives. So any, anything to add on that, man? Like as you, as we look at that together. Yeah. You know, I, I was just thinking, you know, uh, I, I, I believe that before this John the Baptist, um, declared Jesus to be the Messiah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it's almost like now, uh, John's in jail. Right. And he's going, wait, was I wrong? <laughs> um, you know, so it's almost like he, he knew he's already professed that Jesus is the Messiah, but now he's going, I, I don't know, you know, based upon everything that's happening in my life. And then I'm seeing, um, uh, he's starting to doubt, you know, I, I think that's the interesting, uh, a thing to know that maybe the passage doesn't tell you, you know? Yeah. Right. He, yeah. He's like, dude, is this, I mean, he's behind bars. I mean, you can imagine like, is he thinking that any moment now, like Jesus is going to come riding on the right, a white horse and like right. break him out, you know, <laughs> what is he, what is, what is John thinking? You know, he's thinking, dude, are you the guy, you know? Yeah. And, and so many, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people at this point in time, uh, the Jews were basically being occupied by Rome, right? Yeah. So they were thinking the Messiah was going to be, a soldier that was going to rescue them from Rome and set up a throne on earth. Right. And it seems that Jesus is like, I don't, I'm not here to overthrow some small government, you know, in in the grand scheme of the world that isn't going to really matter. Right. I'm here to, uh, uh, um, heal people. I'm here. I'm here to fight the war against sin, not Mm. to fight the war against Rome. So Um, good. So, yeah. So anyways, those are my first observations. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then, uh, he goes on and then he, he, he says in verse 16, to what can I compare this generation? Like, how can I, you know, they are like children sitting under the marketplace, calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Uh, Like, um, I don't know about you, but like when I first read that, it's a little bit kind of obscure, kind of philosophical. Um, and it, it kind of has this like, uh, okay, cool. Jesus, like that's very Jesus kind of mysterious. What's he mean by that? Mm-hmm. Well, this little kind of proverb, I guess it's a riddle. Maybe it's this little riddle he gives out is a description of Jesus's ministry and John's ministry. So it says, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. That's a reference to how kids would play 
um, the flute or a pipe at a wedding. And everybody, when they played the pipe would come out and begin to dance at a wedding. And then, and then the dirge and the morning is about when they would play a funeral song at a funeral and everyone would weep together as a community. And mm -hmm. what Jesus is saying is, He's saying that his, his ministry is like uh, the pipe and like the wedding. He's, he's bringing something new. Jesus' ministry is bringing life. He's bringing something new to it. John's ministry is, is, is a ministry of repentance, and it's a little bit more harsh. And it's like the, it's like a funeral. There's a little bit more heaviness to it. And what Jesus is trying to say in this passage about the crowd around him, the generation around him is, Hey, look, like it doesn't matter what I do or what Jesus or what John does either it's heavy and repentant or it's life-giving and full of good things. Either way, you don't want to participate in it. Like you don't want, you don't want to dance at the wedding. You don't want to mourn at the, at the funeral. Like you can't, we can never win when it comes to you. And what this points to is kind of the second layer of doubting in this passage. So the first layer is John doubting. I'm confused. Why aren't you the guy? And Jesus doesn't shame John at all. But then Jesus talks about this generation and how they have doubts, but, but their doubts are like, they, they won't ever, ever come to any conclusions. There's like, they're trying to, whatever happens, they still criticize it. They won't participate in it. They won't jump in to God's plan and God's way, no matter what happens. Um, and that's what he's trying to make the point. And so he says this last statement in verse 18, for John came neither eating or drinking. And they say he has a demon. So they criticize him. The son of man came eating and drinking. They say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors. <laughs> but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So what Jesus is saying is look, look like you doubt who I am, but it never matters what we do. You always criticize it. You're never going to actually end up stepping in and dancing with us or mourning with us. It doesn't matter. It's, it's like we can do anything and you would still criticize it altogether. That makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. You can't win. You can't win. I mean, that's it. So, yeah. so what yeah. Jesus, so th there's, there's a wrong way to doubt. And the wrong way to doubt is, man, like Jesus could do anything. You could say anything. You could prove everything. You could love somebody completely who has, who has doubts and it doesn't matter. They're never going to accept who Jesus is, who God is. They're just always going to find cracks and criticize and never come to a place of kind of firm foundation to say, I want to move on. I accept this. I see God in this. This is God's work. This is God's hand. And I'm, I'm going to move forward and accept him in my life. You know, I, I just had a thought, Aaron. I'm like, is this where the term devil's advocate comes from? <laughs> it could. That's a good call. I, you you know, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I have a tendency to play devil's advocate, right? Like somebody might say something and I agree with it. It makes a lot of sense, but I take the other position. Right. And it's, um, I, I it's, that's almost like what Jesus is getting at here. He's like, whether I say, you know, uh, this to you, you disagree with it. Well, if I say the exact opposite, you disagree with it. No matter what, you're playing devil's advocate. No matter, no matter what. And that's, and, and so he's, Jesus isn't frustrated with John when he asks questions about him, but he does get frustrated with the crowd, with these cities and these towns when they don't believe who he is. And it's because they're not willing to accept God's work when they see it clearly in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree with that. And I think it talks a lot about, uh, you know, you hear the, the 
the phrase hardening of your heart um, a lot, right? In the Bible, you know, your heart's going to harden. I think it's this idea of, of um, it, when you're at your, when you have a doubt, it's a di- it's different when you're like John, you have a doubt and you bring it to Jesus or you try to find the answer for your doubt. And, and if you find a good answer, you go, okay, I, I no longer have that doubt. Right. It's a lot different than just doubting for the sake of doubting. Like you're not actually wanting to know an answer to your question. You're just being a doubter. Right. hundred percent. That's John. You just summarize the whole thing. Like John, <laughs> John is willing to accept what Jesus says. And the people who are questioning Jesus, the crowds and people in these cities that weren't willing to accept him or John, they will never land on anything. It's never good enough for them. So, so then Jesus has this word wisdom. Wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And then over the next several verses in this passage, Jesus talks about wisdom in verse 25. He says, I thank you, father, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children, making a metaphor there for those who have innocent hearts. And what he's saying is, man, people are going to doubt. And if they, they think they know everything, if they think they've, they're wise and learned, they're going to miss it completely. And so like, I think part of the issue of doubting correctly, isn't just about, um, uh, isn't just about like the right information. It's about a heart posture to humble ourselves and to be what he calls little children who are innocent, who take answers at face value, you know, and say, okay, who trusts, who have a disposition of trust. And, and so when somebody is doubting and nothing ever satisfies them, they see God's hand, they hear God's mm-hmm. truth, they experience the church at its best, like you did, right? Like all the love and they walk away and they're like, I I still don't believe in God. That's, that's the wrong way to doubt because it's never going to land on any kind of truth, right? Doubting just to doubt without being open to the possibility that God is in this is not the right kind of doubting. Mm. Yeah. I I really agree with that. It actually made me think of, this conversation with that I had with, with someone and um, I told him I was, I was uh, in seminary trying to be a pastor and, you know, and I said something about, you know, it's all about Jesus. Right. And he's like, well, who is this Jesus? I don't know. him. And so I was like, Oh, here's, you know, I'm thinking that Aaron, you're like the ultimate evangelist. So I'm like, what would Aaron do? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I'm like, can I sit with you? Can I talk to you about, you know, Jesus? I thought you was kind of inviting me in to tell him about Jesus, like who he is. And, uh, and so I jumped in this conversation with him and, and he's like, yeah, I don't know Jesus. Tell me about him. And I start telling him about Jesus and he just keeps telling me, well, uh, how, like, I only believe in science. I only believe in the scientific method. You know what I mean? And, and, and he just, everything I said to him that when I tried to explain the experiences I've had with Jesus or, or even talk about, you know, the Bible and, and the truth of Jesus and the history of Jesus, no matter what it was, he's like, well, I won't believe it unless I, uh, unless you expose it to the scientific method. And, and I just thought that's such a, uh, I mean, to live life like that, to think um, you can only know if something's true or you can only believe in something if you can expose it to the scientific method, wh- whatever that means. Right. Um, it, it, it's just, uh, it closes you off from, from so much truth that's out there. Does that make sense? Bro, that's amazing because it relates to an article I read 
yesterday. Um, you know, I sent you that one on burnout. That was really good. Mm-hmm. There was another yeah. one I read about uh, an updated version of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Okay. Like remember going back to that moment ago and, yeah. and, and it was a modern day Wesleyan quadrilateral and, in, and it included reason, experience, scripture, tradition, and then it included the scientific method as well. And they said, mm. and they said, you know, it was really cool. It's out of Fuller Seminary. And they said, you know, uh, truth includes science. I loved, I loved that, but let's not, let's not eliminate the possibility of truth if it's not bound into a perfectly tight scientific kind of, you know, worldview. So it, like, right. it's like, what's the, 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 they're like, they put truth at the nexus of all those five things. And they're like, truth is found here, somewhere here, you know? So it's beautiful. Yeah. So I think, I think we could say, you know, in, in closing here, um, Matthew 11, 28, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. This is the end of this passage. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. So a willingness to learn from Jesus. Like I'm going to listen to Jesus and whatever answers he gives me, I'm going to be willing to like take that for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's a right way and a wrong way to doubt. The wrong way is to be closed off to the possibility of what Jesus has to say, the possibility of what he gives you and the possibility that, that what he's showing you is really of God. If we're completely closed off to that reality, then that's the wrong way to doubt. We're never going to land. We're going to, we're going to say, Oh, nope, nope, nope. Just like Jesus said about the children and the generation of, you know, mourning or, or, or at the wedding and, and the, and the dancing, the right way to, to doubt is the example of John, an honest question. Jesus never turns away an honest question from people who are seeking truth with a very pure heart, like a child. Like, would you tell me, are you the guy? Are you not the guy? Please help me. And so the invitation as we conclude about what it means to be simply Christian is we have to come to Jesus just like he invites us to come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We have to come to Jesus on his terms, not on our terms. And that's what John did. Like, Jesus, tell me, are you the guy? And, and that's the invitation Jesus gives to each one of us with our own struggles, our doubts, and our questions, is we have to come to Jesus on his terms and be willing to accept who he is, what he's like. I think C.S. Lewis said, right, it's, you know, you, you probably know this one more than me. I'm going to probably botch it up, but either he's a liar, lunatic, or Lord. Is that right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I mean, we have to come to Jesus based on who he is. And either we walk away and saying you're a liar or a lunatic, or you really are Lord. And he and gives us no option. There's no other options. Or he's crazy. Yep. So that's kind of, you know, where we wrap up today. Um, any final thoughts uh, about the proper way to doubt uh, John from your story and from our time in God's word? I think you summed it up perfectly. I, I think if, if you are open um, if you genuinely want to know if, if, if Jesus is God, if this is the way, and you pursue uh, that question, you know, and you go to people, you, you go to people like you, Aaron, pastors who can give a ton of information who've been studying this stuff your whole life, and you go to those people, I, I, I just, and I think that you will come to know Jesus. I'd be shocked if you, if you didn't. 
Um, but at the very least, you got to give yourself that opportunity, you know, be open to the possibility. That's it. That's it. Man, that's good, bro. This is great conversation. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed by you and I'm like, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to go. Uh, me too, man. We could have talked forever. So I know. I know. Managing the conversation. We're trying to keep this under 30 minutes. I think we're right around there right now. But um, hey, uh, thank you all for taking time to listen. Thank you, John, for sharing your story with us today. We always want to end the Simply Christian podcast with a hopeful biblical conclusion. And it's clear from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 that Jesus invites us with our questions and our doubts to him. He wants your burdens, your fears, your doubts, the areas you're confused in and with. And he wants to meet them, not just with truth, but also with himself, his easy, gentle, light yoke. And so today, if you have questions about faith, life, and God, the hopeful biblical conclusion is, if you have open arms to receive what he wants to give you, he wants to meet you today. And I pray that you would do just that, that you would come to Jesus with your questions, just like John the Baptist, and ask him, and I pray that you would experience his peace and love and gentle, light yoke. 